Um, right, well, if you um, are visiting us today or you haven't been around for a while, we are going through the Ten Commandments um, as a church. Um, and they're sort of familiar, I guess, to most people. If you stop people in the street, they could probably name a few of them, maybe not all of them. But we've been working our way through them one at a time and really digging into them and seeing, well, what does that look like today? What does that look like for us? How does that work out in the light of Jesus? So today we're looking at honesty is the best policy. Uh, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. So basically lying. So first off, we need to ask, what is a lie? Okay. Ooh. There we go. What is a lie? And it says, you might, can you read that? I'll read it for you. A false statement made with intent to deceive. Uh, not so long ago, the New York Times got into a lot of trouble because they published the word lie alongside the word Donald Trump. You might laugh at that, but this created a big, big, big deal. Similarly, in the UK, we've had similar controversies over a certain bus, and someone's found themselves in court. But I guess the key word is intent, because how do you prove that they intended to deceive? Did they at the time know that what they're saying was a lie? Perhaps they were deceived themselves by the information they received, or perhaps they did not mean to deceive. So the word intent is very important. Secondly, we come to the thoughts of, is lying always wrong? Is it wrong to lie? Is there ever a time it's okay to lie? This uh, quote comes from Derek Bonhoeffer, a, theolo a German theologian, incredibly uh, famous. And he talks about lying and what we should do with our children. But I think some of what he says is, is important. He says, parents encourage their children to always tell the truth, yet they do not reciprocate. We recognize that part of being a parent is serving as a buffer between the child and the outside world. And that then that means that a parent may have good reasons for not telling a child exactly what's going on. To tell the truth then means different things depending upon the situation. Parents must teach a child to be truthful. It is not something that is ingrained from birth, and we all know that. <laughs> um, parents also teach children the different ways to be truthful. Every parent is invariably placed into situations where their children are technically telling the truth. And he gives some examples. That, that outfit is indeed ugly, and they've just said so. And that man really does look like the family dog. <laughs> but the situation does not call for that level of truthfulness. Parents and other authority figures must help children realize the different forms that telling the truth can take and to model what it means to be truthful. I think that is really helpful. And as I've talked to people this week, there hasn't been a single person that has passed over an opportunity to talk about the ethics of lying. For example, dementia patients. Do you tell them repeatedly daily that their significant other has passed away? And watch them experience that excruciating pain 
for the first time for them again. What about the horrific Christmas jumper that you receive that you will never wear again, but the darling person that's made it has poured their heart and soul into creating it for you for the year? What about, more importantly, and something perhaps we won't come across in our lives, the life and death situation? What if your words will cost someone else their life? What if it's a child or a baby? Where do you think it's okay to lie is, is more complex, perhaps, than what we first look at. Perhaps uh, we ourselves find ourselves in situations where we don't trust the person with the truth. Perhaps they're not known for their keeping of, um, your, of information. Perhaps they're gossips. Perhaps you don't feel comfortable in the setting. In the middle of a busy coffee shop is not the time to start relaying your deepest, darkest secrets. Or you don't know how that person will take it. Or will they? Is it appropriate to tell them? And that comes down to children again. For us, as on the other side of lying... We all know how incredibly painful it can be when we realize we've been deceived. We can feel foolish or embarrassed or ashamed. We somehow sometimes feel it's our fault that we've not been clever enough to spot a lie. Perhaps it's a car or work you've done on your property or indeed the most painful, a relationship that you're in where the trust has been broken. But the complexities of lying is more than just yes or no. So, do you think you lie? (laughs) What about you guys? Uh, I listened to something on Radio 4 this week that Mary put me on to, and uh, they gave some statistics. They said the uh, average adult will lie, will, would admit, not just lie, but admit to lying at least 2.19 times a day. Don't know how they work that out. Uh, the University of Massachusetts says 60% of us can't have a 10-minute conversation without telling at least one lie. And therefore, two people chatting in 10 minutes will tell three lies. Interesting. And as I was looking at this talk, I didn't like it at all. (laughs) Because I started to notice I'd lied to my child. Um, And parents, we know this, they were panicking about something. It just came out my mouth. It was gone. It was out there. And I was like, that was a lie. And now I'm like, oh, no, I'm a liar. And then later in the week, I was so embarrassed. I can't even go into it. But if you want, I thought it was too embarrassing to tell you. But if you want to know, I will happily tell you. But I, I, I used an innocent, you know, the white lie. It just came out. It was like, it was one of those equivalent situations. Well, it's basically the same thing. But the web I got into was unreal real and by the end of it I was a shoplifter (laughs) how about you perhaps you're that kind of person that really struggles to lie you know you're the ones that you feel it the red's coming up and before you know it your whole body is bright red Um, and you the guys are no you're no good at playing cheat with cards or anything like that because you go like seven twos (laughs) Um, perhaps you're the white liar 
You do it perhaps out of politeness. You know, you are the one that says, oh, you look lovely. Do they look lovely? Or, it's so nice to meet you. <laughs> perhaps you're guilty of omission. This is, this is popular. The polite way, some people call it, of lying. But, um, you know, by not saying something the person has been led to believe something you wanted them to believe. You left out kind of half the story. Whether that's to make you look good, or whether it's to make a situation move along smoothly without any bumps, we can all be very good at that. The agreeable lie that helps you fit into society. When someone says, oh, you know, la, 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 and you met them for the first time, and you go, oh, yeah, that, you know, oh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, definitely. And actually, you don't agree with what they're saying, but it's politeness in society. We sort of, we have this kind of rule of it's complex anyway. And finally, of course, to get out of difficult situations, to avoid the consequences. And this is what we start as children, isn't it, when we go flat out with the chocolate biscuit in our hand. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't even touch it. I don't even know where the biscuits are. <laughs> and we go on in that. And we, we all know that that extends to life, doesn't it? And there's lots of situations. And of course, some people say, well, obviously, we can lie to ourselves. We can be telling ourselves something that really isn't true. Um, we'll all vary on how we lie, when we lie, what our views are of lies, where we come down with lies, what's right, what's wrong. But let's look at what the Bible says about lies. So here we are, and I've summarized it, and there'll be more, but here's four we're going to look at today. Firstly, God hates it. Secondly, he cannot lie. Thirdly, it's the opposite of loving our neighbor. And fourthly, we'll look at what the Bible says about the consequences of lies. So, the first off comes from Proverbs. It's talking about the things God hates or detestable to him. And you'll see right down there is false witness who pours out lies. And you'll notice that it goes alongside feet that quish to run in, rush into evil, but also further up, hands that shed innocent blood. And I find that quite hard. You know, when God looks at lies, he feels the same way about that as murder. That's a bit sobering. Of course, in Exodus we read, you shall not give false testimony, which is what today we're talking about. And when God starts his community, the community that will reflect him, that will show people, well, what does God look like? He says, one thing you won't do is lie. And if you can imagine in a culture where there's no CTV cameras, there's no fingerprinting, there's none of that, it's all down to testimony. So you don't want people lying. He wants a community that is authentic and honest with each other. Here we've got um, texts about the fact that God cannot lie. He doesn't lie, so his promises are true. In fact, it is impossible for God to lie. And that's a really reassuring in a society like ours where we kind of have that kind of doubt about everyone. God's, God cannot lie. If he says, this will happen, it will happen. This is something that we can hold on to and have as a foundation. 
Lying is not loving. Here's two examples. A lying tongue hates those it hurts. So it equates lying with hatred, the opposite of loving. And then this Proverbs one is talking almost about joking, but it says like a one who grabs a stray dog by the ears. Can you imagine grabbing a stray dog by the ears? You're going to get hurt. So it's sort of saying, you know, even in a joking sense, we don't set out to deceive other people. What about lying generally? What would happen if uh, all truth was removed? So here we have a quote from Cicela Bock. She is an academic and she works in the area of truth. And she says, what would it be like to live in a world in which truth-telling was not the common practice? In such a world, you would never trust anything you were told or anything you read. You would have to find out everything for yourself firsthand. You would have to invest an enormous amount of time of your time to find out the simplest matters. In fact, you probably couldn't even find out the simplest matters in a world without trust. You would never acquire the education you need to find out anything for yourself since such an education depends on you taking the word of what you've read and so on. So she's exploring the idea of a world where there's no truth. And we know in our society the breakdown of truth. We can see it all around us. We see the political implications with uh, mistrust of politicians, political apathy. We see it in the police force when doubt is raised. People don't want to report a crime. Either they won't be believed or nothing will happen. We see, uh, we see it in the medical profession with people not choosing to get vaccinated because of something that's been said here. And the worst case, of course, it, the Ebola virus that's spreading. And again, lies are preventing that being contained. Trust no one is probably very true for our culture today. And personally, we can see the damage that lies do. We probably experience that for ourselves in relationships and how those relationships are broken as a result. Trust has been broken, and that's the bottom line. Once we start lying, trust goes. And if you can trust no one... What can you do? It's really, really sobering. Lying in the Bible, the consequences. It talks about it being a snare. Uh, Your conscience is seared. And then the most terrifying is the separation one at the end. Every time we lie... It creates a barrier or a separation between us and the people that we want to have relationship with. We know in our relationships, once lies forms the basis of it, you're in real trouble. I was watching Gavin and Stacey this week, and he, I know, I'm watching it again, I love it. But in there, Mick says to his son about marriage, he says, oh, I I lie to your mother three or four times a day, it's how we get on. And that is a thing, isn't it? Now, but here I was interested by this idea of lying being a snare, so I need some volunteers. I thought I'd have Ardell, because he's always up for volunteering. Come on, my sweet. And my lovely husband. Now, what I'm going to ask you to do is you're going to go over there, and um, I want you to tie up Ardell. Just a little bit at a time. (laughs) 
just a little bit at a time, just a finger first, then an arm, until he's bent double. And every one of these knots is going to symbolize a lie. Okay, so they're going to do that. Don't, you know, you can glance at them if I get boring. <laughs> okay, we're going to quickly nip through the Bible. Now, it's interesting. Oh, off he goes. No, 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 I want you to tie knots, not just wrap, knots, okay? Uh, in the Bible, right from the very beginning, we start with a lie, and that is the devil lies. He says to Eve, you certainly will not die, flat out lie. Then we get Abraham. He lies about his wife. Then we get Jacob. He lies and says he's Esau. Then we get um, then we get Laban lying to Jacob. Then we get his sons, and they lie about Joseph, and he gets lied about a load. Um, then we get into the kings as well. King David, he lies loads. And then we get our prophets, and they're lying, and lying, and lying, and lying continues. And the interesting thing about the Bible, if you ever read it, you think, well, why is this stuff in here? When you read Mark's gospel written from Peter's perspective, he looks the worst. He's really honest about his sin. There's an honesty about the Bible that sin is real, and they all have done it. And it's very destructive. Throughout the Bible, we see the destruction of families, of relationships, of communities. We see the effects of lying on and on and on until we get to Jesus who says, I tell you the truth. And we might have skimmed over that in the past. I tell you the truth. Oh, well, of course you tell us the truth. But in a whole history of lies, starting from the beginning, when Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Who is the only person who tells the truth? It is God. I tell you the truth. And he goes on to say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not just telling you the truth. I am the truth. Jesus is the only person that has ever told 100% the truth. He says the father of lies is the devil. I'm coming in a minute. (laughs) Is the devil. The devil starts the lies. He says he is a murderer from the start. Why? Because his lies lead to death. Jesus comes not to wag his finger. So here is Ardell. He's bent him over. Come on. He's not even slightly caught up in lies yet. <laughs> Make the man suffer more. That's right. Bend him. <laughs> now, when Jesus comes to us in our shame and our filth and our, and our fear and our guilt, because remember, Adam and Eve, they hid because they felt ashamed and they felt fearful of what he was going to do. Jesus comes, and when he sees us in this state, we might, to all other people, appear as Adele did in his, before he was tied up. But underneath it, this is the truth of sin. This is how much he's bound by it. It's a snare. You imagine, he tells a little lie. Now he's got to cover the lie. Before you know it, he's a shoplifter. It's the tower you don't even want to know. And And it's gripping us. And this is the snare that we are in. And when Jesus comes, he doesn't come to go, you have been awful. You must. I cannot even come near you. No. He says really clearly, and this is important because we often don't understand God right. He doesn't come to condemn, but he comes to set free. 
And he says the truth will set you free, not just that you suddenly have to go around and tell everyone your sins, but actually he says, I see you exactly as you are. You might be hiding behind that fence going, I am terrified to show anyone what the truth is in my life. But he sees us exactly as we are, and he comes to set us free. In the Bible, it says, um, Jesus did not come to condemn, but to save. And that word save means to heal, to make whole, to make us into the people we were meant to be. So it's not about rules. Stop it. Yes. But this is a good point, actually, because we continue to do it. And he continues to set us free. And he continues to say, it's okay, Adele. I love you. You can sit down now. (laughs) Yes. And this is good because this is ours at the moment. We're not 100%, are we? Because we keep sinning. And then we just add more. But every time we come, he sets us free. He loves us. He wants to rescue us. The problem is too often we think of God like this. When he says, come, I died that you might be free. When he died on the cross, everything he took upon himself, like a massive super absorbent sponge from some crazy advert, which is a lie. (laughs) This is not a lie. He absorbs our sin, everything. Everything is absorbed into him on the cross. And we are set free to be the people he intended us to be. So we'll just finish now. Because we know we live in a society that is corrupt, where deceit is the norm. It's so ingrained in us. But that is nothing new. We are not, oh, waking up going, oh, it's got awfully, awfully deceitful rounds here. It's been like that since the beginning. Oh, sorry, there's your verses you missed about Jesus. Solution. Jesus' solution is the cross absorbing our sin and then allowing those set free to go and be part of the solution. We daily need to come to him, but we are part of the solution. When we come with Jesus in us, transforming us, his spirit working with us, we begin to be those authentic people, that community that he intends um, to have people of truth, people who live life differently, who are honest. We take off daily the old self and put on the new. We have integrity at work. We don't fiddle our timesheets or we, don't, we give honest quotes. We lay it out as it is. We don't say we will do a certain piece of work by this date knowing we won't. We don't say, oh yeah, I'm on that when we haven't started it. They're little things. We don't pretend we know something just because we're paid to know it, and that's an interesting one. Particularly when you you hear stuff like, say it with enough conviction, anyone will believe it. Actually, we don't know. And we don't gossip, and I haven't done much on that. But giving false testimony is passing on something we're not entirely sure is true. And it's a battle. Paul says, what I want to do, I hate to do, and what I do, uh, and what, what I want to do, I, hate, I don't do. And what I hate to do, I do. Let me get that right. In other words, he wants to do it, but he can't. 
He can't do it. He's recognizing it's a battle. And that's it. As Christians, we are set free, but we're constantly tying ourselves up. We're not 100% there yet. We're not Jesus yet, are we? We've not been fully transformed. It's a battle. Allowing him, saying, Jesus, where, where, um, like David says in the psalm, search me, O God, and see if there is anything in me. And we can do that with this area of dishonesty. God's desire in our lives is for peace between us and him and our community around us. But only he has the power to make it happen. We all know if we try to do something, we fail. But the power of his spirit, as we choose to follow him, gives us the power to change. Secondly, teach our children about lies, secrets, surprises. Bonhoeffer talked about this, teaching them about lies. We have to go beyond lying is wrong. We have to teach them about intent, love for our neighbor, honesty, truth, integrity. And we've got to model that ourselves. And I'm not giving any answers, folks. This, you've got to wrestle with this. Because the serious of lies we've seen from the Bible, it is serious, so we shouldn't just ignore it. Thirdly, bring it to God. When we're lied against, the temptation immediately is to go, that person set out to deceive me. They are a terrible person. They hate me. But actually, intent-wise, we have no idea. We don't know why they did it. We don't know what drove them. We're not any better than them. So don't judge. Bring it to God. He knows what's really going on. We are asked to forgive, and that's what we must do. And finally, face it together. Be honest about lying. If you're in a prayer partner uh, situation or a triplet or another person that you can be totally honest with, then that's your place to, to give them an opportunity to say, please ask me regularly about my honesty. Please ask me regularly, where have you lied this week? So that you can begin to deal with that sin together and with the Holy Spirit's help. And that's it, really. So lots to think about, lots to talk about. You've got coffee time. You can start to debate the ethics of when you would and wouldn't. Okay, but let's pray now together. Father God, we know the pain lying brings to communities, to relationships, and to ourselves. We confess that we aren't always truthful. Help us by your spirit and others to identify areas where we need the gift of honesty. Help us to know the freedom that comes from being completely honest with you. We thank you that you don't come to condemn, but when we confess our sin, 
you are faithful and forgive us. Father, help us as Portsmouth Church to grow in authentic community that brings honour to you. In Jesus' name, amen.